Park for his economic achievements and strong stance against communism. The former president's image has been further enhanced by comparison with his immediate successors, Chun Duhuan and Ro Tai Wu, two military officers who took over in the aftermath of Park Chung-hee's assassination. Unlike Park's bloodless coup in 1961, their seizure of power in 1979 to 1980 involved a violent mutiny at army headquarters and the massacre of thousands of protesting civilians in the city of Guangzhou. Chun and Ro also used their offices to accumulate vast personal fortunes, for which they were later tried and convicted. Park, by contrast, was famously frugal in his daily life, and as president even had his own extended family monitored for financial irregularities. Economic trends also helped to boost the elder Park's reputation. Lower growth levels from the 1990s as the country's economy matured, combined with a major financial crisis in 1997 to 1998, tended to cast a favorable light on the glory days of double-digit growth under Park. Even before the turn of the millennium, he had emerged in opinion polls as the most admired president in South Korean history. Not surprisingly, politicians took note. The annual October 26 memorial services at Park's gravesite, once attended only by family, increasingly became a required stop on the campaign trail for aspiring presidents, whatever their political affiliation. One candidate in 1997 went so far as to emphasize his facial resemblance to Park. Even the late president, Kim Dae-jung, a former democracy activist who had been kidnapped and nearly murdered by the government in the 1970s, publicly supported the construction of a memorial hall to commemorate Park and his achievements. Won't get fooled again. Ultimately, of course, it was Park Chung-hee's daughter, Park Geun-hye, who benefited most from the nostalgia boom. She rode her father's popularity to victory in successive parliamentary elections, and finally, in 2012, to the presidency itself. Many older Koreans still remembered her fondly from the 1970s, when she served for five years as a surrogate first lady in the wake of her mother's death from a bullet meant for her father. Even younger Koreans, who had grown up with a largely positive image of Park Chung-hee, tended to read that image into his daughter. Park Geun-hye did everything possible to encourage such thinking, often mentioning or quoting her father in her campaigns and emphasizing her years of experience at her father's side. For her supporters, she was the heiress to a royal political family and legacy, the Tanim, or honored daughter of the country's most venerated leader. It is surely one of the greatest ironies in South Korean history, then, that as president, Park Geun-hye's singular achievement was to deflate, if not destroy, the very nostalgia that helped elevate her to power. Precisely because of her close association with her father, her unpopular presidency was a reminder of many of the worst aspects of his rule, especially the use of government power to control or stifle dissent. One of the current allegations against her, for example, is that she ordered the compilation of a blacklist, which featured as many as 9,000 cultural figures to be controlled or disciplined for perceived opposition to her government. Other charges, including bribery and extortion from major chaebols such as Samsung, have put on full display the hazards of the symbiotic relationship between South Korean government and big business, which her father had deliberately forged as part of his developmental strategy. And finally, the relationship at the heart of the scandal that led to Park Geun-hye's impeachment, that between her and her friend, Choi Soon-sil, has also been traced back to the Park Chung-hee period. Choi's father, Choi Tae-min, had begun serving as a mentor to Park Geun-hye in the 1970s, which is when he and his family first began their attempts to influence government policy for their own enrichment. Despite the failure of his daughter's presidency, 
Park Chung-hee will continue to be regarded as a pivotal figure in modern Korean history, and as was abundantly clear from the pro-Park Geun-hye demonstrations that followed her impeachment, there is still a dedicated and vocal minority, comprising mainly older Koreans who continue to revere the father and, by extension, the daughter. Indeed, the new President Moon acknowledged this fact by paying a respectful public visit to Park Chung-hee's grave early last month, shortly after securing his party's nomination. But even given her father's historical importance and the reverence in which a dedicated minority of Koreans continues to hold him, it seems likely that Park Geun-hye's presidency has put a significant dent in the Park Chung-hee nostalgia boom that carried her to the Blue House, thereby limiting its ability to influence politics in the future. For younger Koreans especially, who came of age at the height of the boom, disillusionment with the daughter may well bring with it a more critical and balanced reappraisal of the father. Today, given the overwhelming popular consensus for change that propelled...